Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. with us these past couple of weeks, we've just started a brand new series entitled Saturate. And, and, and the whole purpose of this series is to really get you to hone in on and focus on those things that you're spending your time with, your, your intentional time and your idle time. Because those things that you're spending your time with are the very things that saturate your heart. And those things that saturate your heart ultimately determine your destiny. And I want to make sure that at the end of of this earthly life that we live and we go up to see our maker and he's checking off our list that he looks at you and says, you know what? Yeah, you, 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 you did it. You saturated your heart with things that would honor me. You saturated your life with my word. You saturated your heart with worship. You saturated your life with generosity. You saturated your heart, your mouth, and your communication with me in prayer. And I want to make sure that, that the people in this room get it. Right Now, you can share with your neighbors, but it's my job and my duty to make sure y'all get it today. And so last week, we talked about the importance of saturating your heart with God's Word. And, and, and the only way you can do that is actually read it. Yeah, read it. And, and the thing is, a lot of us read the Bible, and it seems like these stories that happened a million years ago, and they're not relevant to me today. And I'm here to tell you that's a fallacy. The reason why the Bible is still to this very date the most sold book in the world is because it's still relevant. It still works. The stuff, those stories in there, they still apply to you today. The language may have changed. The circumstances may have changed. The situation may have changed, but it's still relevant in 2014, just like it was back in those days, the times of Moses, Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, Paul, Peter. Y'all tell me when you want me to stop. It's still relevant to you today. But you won't know that it's relevant if you don't saturate your heart with God's Word. And, And here's the thing. Many of us saturate our lives with a word or with some things, right? Whether it's your favorite TV show, your sports team, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, you saturate your heart with something already. But I want you to be intentional about saturating your heart with God's Word. 
Okay? Last week, I gave you some steps you could do to have a daily devotional. Uh, if you missed it, we do have a podcast available. So you can go on ahead and go to uh, wearemosaicchurch.org slash media, and you can stay uh, up to date on what we're, what we're talking about. Today, I want to talk about the importance of saturating your heart with prayer. Now, if you've, you've been around me a little while, you know that I love prayer. I just love it. I, I, I love prayer. And I think a big part of why I love prayer was because before I was even a Christian, I just liked to hear people pray. I always thought that when my daddy did grace, it was like a sermon to me. It was so powerful. His voice was so velvety. And he just really gave thanks to God for the food. And it just sounded so beautiful. Now, bear in mind, my father is an actor. So some of that thespian stuff came out in him. But it sounded so good. And I wasn't even a Christian. I said, I want to I pray like that. And then uh, when I did find some sort of religion, I became a Muslim. And, and first I started off with the radical stuff. You know, I was nation of Islam. And then I transferred from the nation of Islam to the 5% nation of gods and earth. And then, and then after that, when I was a freshman in college, uh, somebody, a brother by the name of Raheem, heard me talking this stuff. And he says, man, what is this rhetoric? You're not a Muslim. And so he invited me to his dorm room. And, and he, he, he's a Sunni Muslim, a traditional Muslim. And he prayed five times a day. And he fasted at least several times a year during special holidays. And, and, and he showed me what Islam really was and so through the through the through the transition of Islam through the period of Islam I learned the discipline of prayer I, I, I knew to pray five times a day and what time and which way to face when I prayed. I knew how to do this thing that they call the salat. There are certain postures and position you pray in when you pray. I knew all of these things but it was all a setup from God. God was like, I'm going to use all of this stuff that you think is cool. I'm going to use all of this stuff that you think is hip. I'm going to use all of that and make it redeemable for me. See, you didn't know that I was preparing you to actually be disciplined to pray to me. You thought you were praying to somebody else. You, you thought that Raheem happened by accident. No, I sent Raheem to get your attention so I can show you how to use prayer to honor me. And then back in 1999... I had an encounter with God, and he began to wrestle with me. And then by the time, we wrestled for a long time. So by the year 2000, I stopped wrestling, and he defeated me, and I became a Christian. And I was able to apply the stuff that I learned outside of him to say, wow, I thought this was Islam, but the whole time this was God, learning how to fast and learning how to pray. I faced death one time in my life. Can I get personal real quick, and then we're going to get into this message. I faced death Several times, but one time in particular, I faced death. Uh, it was an incident that happened with my family where we lived in a very, very bad neighborhood in upstate New York. And uh, someone broke in our house in the middle of the night while we were there. And, and again, I wasn't Christian. I was young. I was probably 13, maybe 14. I don't remember exactly. And uh, while we were in the house, someone broke in in the middle of the night. And he put a knife up to my sister's throat to get my mom to come out. My mom and I and my other sister were in the room, and he put a knife up to my other sister's throat and, and, and said, come out. He made us come out, made my mom and I come out the room. And he made us get under a cover, a sheet. And while right next to me, he took advantage of my mother. And I didn't know prayer, but all I could remember was the nice prayers that my daddy prayed over the food 
those grace type of prayers. And so all I knew was, God, save us from what's about to happen. God save us. I didn't know God. I didn't have a relationship with God. But the grace prayers that my daddy prayed over each meal was enough for me to know to call upon God. And obviously, you know, I'm here, so that did not happen. My sister's here, my mom, we're all here. But the point of the matter is, before I knew prayer, I knew at least who to call upon. That was my introduction into prayer, and prayer works. Prayer works. Here at this church, we, we do big prayers twice a year where we, where we really, really set aside 21 days to 40 days of just direct prayer to God for some things. We do it in the fall, and we do it in, uh, in, the, uh, in, in the beginning of the year. And I'll tell you, each and every time that we've done it, there's been major, major breakthrough. And every Wednesday, every single Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, we have a prayer call. And I promise I meant to print out some of the prayer, uh, uh, the praise reports from the prayer request uh, for you all. But I could just tell you one right now. Just this week, my younger sister, my middle sister, had open heart surgery. This woman is not 40 years old. I think she's 36, 37, my middle sister. I'm terrible with age, so forgive me. I barely remember my own age. But uh, 36, 37, she had to have open heart surgery. Mother of three. And so you're talking about prayer. You're talking about being scared. I'm like, yo, this is, this, what do you mean my, my younger sister has to have open heart surgery? So we pray. People on the call pray. And I just want to say she went through the, the surgery successful. Everything was, is in good shape. She's got a totally, you know, whatever had to be repaired, that's repaired plus some. She's healthy. Uh, they thought that her recovery, like from waking up from the surgery, would be longer. She woke up on her own right away. They didn't have to put her on these breathing machines. She was breathing immediately after surgery on her own. I mean, God answers prayers, and I'm here to tell you that. And so today, that's what I want to focus on for you is saturating your heart with prayer and the importance of it. Listen. If you are taking notes, I want to share some things with you. I want to talk about the heart a little bit, especially since we just kind of opened this up with my sister having open heart surgery. Do you all know the Bible talks about the heart at least 761 times? The Bible mentions the word heart, talks specifically about your heart from Old Testament to New Testament over 761 times. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because God is really after your heart. He's after your heart. He wants your heart. He don't want your money. He don't want just your service. He wants your heart. Your heart will automatically give those things. Your heart will automatically cause those things to happen for you. He wants your heart. This is why it's talked about 761 times in the Bible. Now, here's the the flip side to that. Do you all know what the number one cause of death is in this country? Heart disease, exactly. Heart disease. Heart disease, the silent killer, is the number one cause of death here in America. And I want to offer this. It's also the number one cause of death for Christians. Because my brothers and sisters, many of us Christians have heart disease. Really, to to, to ask somebody to come and serve and do something, it's almost like asking them to give a doggone lung. 
pastors across this land are, are, are intimidated about talking about money and to their congregation because some bad apples have made some decisions with it. But because uh, these bad apples have made decisions, giving has gone down in the church. And people think that, and not you all, I'm talking about people who are not here today, your neighbors, your friends. And people think that, that, that you know what, the lights will just cut on. They'll just come on by themselves. The, 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 the bills will just be paid by themselves. I don't have to give. And God talks about it. There's a, there's a scripture, and I'm not going to talk about it today. There's a scripture that says, where your heart is, there also is your, come on, we got a few Christians in this room. Where your heart is, there also is your treasure. And we Christians have a heart disease. We look and see uh, that, that Atlanta is number one for trafficking, sex trafficking in America. And we look and say, oh, that's so sad. I hope somebody let me pray. Jesus, help them kids in the name of Jesus, help them. And then you go about your day. And your prayer is good. But I dare some of you to get on the front line. I dare some of you to stretch your wallet and write a check to that organization who is on the front line. Oh, man, Georgia's ranking in the bottom five in terms of education. Oh, they'll get it together. Lord, help our education system in, in, in Georgia. When you can be on the front line standing right there at the school board saying, hey, listen, what you're doing is a grave injustice and something needs to be changed. You don't have the best interests of these children. Something needs to be changed. And guess what? I got, good, I got news for you. Here at Mosaic, we are on the front line. They told this school that, no, we're not giving you a rebuild. We're going to rebuild two schools in East Cobb. We're there, in case you don't know. That's the wealthy section of this county where the median income is over $75,000 or more. And they said, we're going to give this. And one of the schools didn't even need it. They told us, no. Do you think we sat there on our butts and took it? No, we stood there and said, what you've done is a Offended the people in this community. We had business owners, clergy people. We had uh, teachers, administrators stand there and say, we're not going to stand for it. And guess what happened? They says, you, you're absolutely right. And they took $5 million and said, we're going to make sure you get a brand new building in this place because you are absolutely right. But had we sat on our butts and, and continued to have a heart disease, <laughs> we wouldn't have a new building coming here in 2016. Y'all can applaud that. That's work. That's effort. We stood, your pastor stood up there with them. And others, this woman here was a supporter. Many people stood up. And what we have as, as Christians is a heart disease. And we need to fix that. The best cure, watch this, the best cure for heart disease is prevention. The best cure for heart disease is prevention. Well, how do, how do we do that as Christians, Pastor B? Glad you asked. Thank you for asking, congregation. Saturating your heart with God's word and with prayer. Colossians 4.2 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I love what Paul was saying to the church in Colossae when he said that. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. He didn't say pray, just pray. 
He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Do you understand what it means to devote? It means to intentionally allot time to sit and pray to God. It it means intentionally making sure that is the priority in your life. To devote yourselves means to never let anything interrupt your time and your line with Christ. It means no matter what, I'm going to devote time and energy to hearing from God and speaking to God. He says, devote yourself to that. And then this is the other part. He says, be alert. Be alert. Now, I'm not trying to say don't, you know, don't, I'm not saying offer sleepy prayer. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is have a sensitivity in your spirit to hear what God is saying. Have a sensitivity in your spirit to understand where God is leading you. Have a sensitivity in your heart to really accept what he says. Because how many of you know sometimes what he says is not always what you want? First Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says this. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What do you mean? You mean to be? You mean to tell me to be thankful for my broken heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 yo, I just got fired, man. How am I gonna pay the bills next? You mean to be, You mean to say thank you, God, for for allowing me to get laid off? Yeah, but, but, but my house is in foreclosure. I'm supposed to be saying, thank you, God, because I'm facing foreclosure. Yeah. Because here's how my God works. He don't take nothing away from you and give you and not give you nothing bigger and better than what you had before. Uh, I can tell you about a man in the Old Testament by the name of Job. He was a wealthy and successful man, had a beautiful wife and a gorgeous family. He was doing well for that time uh, uh, of day. He was very successful and God took all that he had and including his children. Matter of fact, he took the love of his wife from him because when Job was going through all of this mess and he continued to pray to God, his wife even said, when are you going to stop praying and go and do something with yourself? I'm paraphrasing, but that's what she said. Took the love of his wife, took his children, took his business, took his friends, took all of this stuff from him. And do you know what happened in the end? God can't replace children, but the man was able to procreate and make some more babies. The man got double, almost triple what he started with. But God, listen, God ain't going to take nothing from you and not replace it with something bigger and better. You got to believe that today, but it starts with saturating your heart with prayer. It starts with saturating. Never stop praying. Now, I'm not saying that you just walk around all day, you know, mama say, mama say, mama kusan, and all of these stuff. I'm not saying that. But God is saying never, ever stop praying. Never, ever stop believing in the power of prayer. Never, ever stop believing in the miraculous things that happen as a result of you getting on your knees or laying prostrate before God. Never, ever stop seeking him first for all the good, the bad, and any decision in your life. Never, ever stop believing in the very power of prayer. It doesn't mean walk around praying all day. That would be kind of crazy, and nobody would ever believe you. Really, nobody would ever want to be a part of something where you're walking around reciting this 
stuff all day, but it's saying don't give up. Always call upon God. Don't try to figure stuff out by yourself. Here, here, let me share with you four things real quick, and then we're going to kind of run out of here. Four reasons why we pray. In case you don't know where to start. Four reasons why we pray. If you're taking notes, the very first reason we pray, we pray for guidance. We pray for guidance. We don't pray for bling. I'm sorry if I offended anybody. But we don't pray for bling. That's Jeannie. Jeannie does that. Jeannie provides the bling. You rub the lamp, Jeannie gives you bling. We don't pray for material possessions. We pray for guidance. I love what Psalms 23, 1 and 3 says. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The writer here is not saying I have all that I want. He says all that I need. I may not have the bling, but all I need, I got the food, the shelter, the clothes, all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. That's good news because he could let him rest in the desert. He could let him rest in dry soil. He could let him rest in a bad place, but he puts him in lush land, lush real estate. He lets him rest in the best of the best, land that's been fertilized and cured and taken care of and nurtured. He lets the sheep rest there. Watch this. Let me go on further. He leads me besides peaceful streams. Whoa, that's good news. Because the stream is peaceful, that gives me a chance to take a sip. Because if the stream was too busy, too strong, I could take a sip and be dragged into the mess. But he puts me in a place where I can always replenish myself with, whoo, that's a good word. He puts me by stream for uh, peaceful streams. Watch this. He renews my strength. That's the good news because sometimes we get weak and we can't do anymore. We need the strength of God, and God is strongest when you are weakest. He renews your strength whenever you want to wave that white flag saying, I want to quit. You know, in NASCAR, they have the same white flag. But when they wave that white flag in NASCAR, the white flag means you got one more lap left. But y'all been waving a wrong flag, waving a flag of surrender when you got the right flag, the white flag saying you got one more lap. You just got to keep on pushing, baby. And depend on God to renew your strength. Yes, it gets tired. Yes, it gets tough. Yes, you want to quit. Heck, I want to quit sometimes, but I don't have the option and neither do you. There's so much work for us to do here. Watch this. Let me finish it up. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. He guides me along right paths. Watch this. Sometimes we've made detours in our lives. Can I get a witness today? Sometimes we've been on a path that was straight. Everything looked good. Everything felt good. But some reason, something pulled you over here to the left, and you forgot about your compass, which pointed north, and you went to the left. But then all of a sudden, your compass recalibrated, recalibrated, and God brought you back to the path of righteousness. Somebody can attest to that. Sometimes you have to recalibrate, and that's where God renews your strength. Why we pray? We pray for guidance. Because here's the truth of the matter. We can't figure this thing out on our own. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care if you were born in church and baptized a hundred times. Without God guiding you, you will be lost. Can I tell y'all, there are a bunch of lost people in the church today in America. This is why we have a heart disease, 
because we got people that show up every Sunday. We got people that give diligently. We got people that serve, but they still have a heart condition because they're doing it because it's habitual and it's not part of their lifestyle. It's habitual, but it has not been something they saturated themselves with where their total dependency is upon God. I'm guilty of it. I'm not there yet, and I'm the pastor. I have moments when I say, you know what? Things are a little bit tough. God, you got about 24 hours to respond, or I'm going to try to figure this thing out on my own. But then that's when God says, holy slap, who do you think you are <laughs> to tell me, God, what you going to do? Then he says, remember that one time you tried that, and what happened? You fell on your face, but daddy was there to pick you up. Uh, Remember that other time when you tried to do that thing and you tripped and scarred your knee? Who was there? Daddy was there to pick you up. Fool, if you don't get it now, you'll get it eventually. You are a wise man and you need to seek wise counsel. And the wise counsel you need to seek is in me. Get on your knees and you need to be speaking to me in prayer. Man, I'm preaching good today, if I may say so myself. Here's the second thing we do, why we pray. We seek God for protection. We seek God for protection. I just need to tell you something. If you've been blessed just a little bit, our spiritual adversary is unpleased and not happy. If you, the fact that you're sitting in this room, he is shaking in his boots like, uh-oh, they about to get it. And if they get it, I don't stand a chance. If they realize that the fight is fixed, if they realize that this is a setup and that I'm only a figment of their imagination, if they get it, I stand no chance of bringing them into my fold. If they get it, I stand no chance of allowing them to be a soldier in the army of darkness. If they get it, if they get this thing called God and fall in love with this man, I can't get them. So I'm going to send some stuff to distract them. I'm going to send some stuff that will break their heart. I'm going to send some stuff that will break them down to their knees, but not down to their knees in prayer, but down to their knees where they're about to surrender. The devil is out to get you. But God, oh my goodness, if we go back to Psalms, it says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. God is an ever fence around you wherever you go to and fro. Do you know that there are people praying for you that you don't even know about? Do you know that I am here because somebody else's prayers for my life happened? Do you know that you're sitting in the seat because somebody's been praying for you today? And that has been the protection that's brought you this far. It's this thing called, let me see, what do you call it? It's called grace. It's the grace of God that has brought you to the point that you're here right now today. And we pray for ever protection from God because this world that we live in, if we believe everything that social media says, if we believe everything that the media says, if we believe everything that our haters say, oh, come on now. If we believe everything that some family members say about us, if we believe everything that the person who broke our heart says about us, if we believe every boss that told us you are not qualified, if we believe all of the colleges who said you're denied this application, if we believe every person that said, I'm not going to give you this loan, if we believe all of that, then we've been defeated. But what you need to believe is that all things are possible for those who call upon the name of God. All things are possible for those who, 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 who come to him and saturate their hearts with prayer. Listen, he protects us from all of these things, and so we need to be seeking him for that very protection. We need to seek God for that very protection. Here's, here, here's the third reason 
why we pray. We pray to receive forgiveness. Psalms. Psalms, I love it. So, uh, not Psalms, uh, Matthew 6, 12 says this. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That's a hard pill to swallow, right? Because if you've ever said that prayer, uh, affectionately known as the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. A lot of times you don't receive that forgiveness because you haven't forgiven. It it, it, it works two ways. It, it, It works both ways. In order to be forgiven, you have to forgive. It works two ways. And we pray to God seeking that forgiveness because I know one thing, and I'm willing to bet all of my life savings, my whole life, my whole world on this. Everybody here has had to seek forgiveness, not just from God, but from somebody that they've offended. Okay, I thought I didn't think there were any perfect people here. We've all offended somebody, whether we've done it intentionally or unintentionally. We've all crossed that line and hurt somebody's feelings. We've all made somebody feel less than. We've all done something that made somebody feel bad, and we had to be forgiven. We've all, at some point in our lives, been a part of the rumor mill. I don't gossip. Yeah, you listen to it, so you gossip. I, I, just say, I didn't mean to do that. I, this ain't one of them sermons. It's supposed to make you feel good. We've all been a part of it. We've all been a part of it. Yeah, you, so what? You don't chime in, but you didn't hang up the line. So what? You don't chime in. You didn't walk away. You sat there and let that stuff saturate your heart. You let the gossip saturate your heart. And I guarantee somewhere in there, in your mind, you cause a little bit of judgment. I guarantee somewhere in your mind after you heard such rumors, there was some kind of judgment. And you can't help it. I can't help it. Because as long as we're on this side of heaven, we're going to face these challenges. As long as we're on this side of heaven, it's going to be tough for us to ignore stuff. And the more and more creative social media becomes, it's going to be harder and harder to avoid. Really. If you are on social media, I don't care if you say, I don't get on but once a month. I guarantee when you get on, you spend whatever time you get on there, there's something in there that makes you say, ooh, no, she didn't. How are you going to put all your business out like that? You just joined the rumor mill. And in that, we need to seek God for forgiveness. We need to seek God for forgiveness, but we have to also have it in our hearts to really forgive someone else because I guarantee if someone has offended you, you've offended someone, and it very well may be that same person that you've offended. Y'all know, y'all know how this goes, right? Well, what happened was if you wouldn't have said that, then I wouldn't have said this, and if you wouldn't have looked at me that way, I wouldn't have looked at you this way, and if you had not, it's, it's a pointing the finger game. And this was a corny thing I learned, but I thought it was the cutest thing. When you point your finger at someone, there are three fingers pointing back at you. So every time you point your finger, the blame game, there are three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah, you're guilty three times by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They hold you guilty in the court of law. (laughs) Let me stop. (laughs) 
every time you point the finger, if you wouldn't have done, if you wouldn't have said, if you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have, and you need to look in the mirror and be pointing a finger at yourself saying, if I would not have even engaged in that conversation in the first place, if I would have ignored your text in the first place, I wouldn't be in this predicament. If I had not ever in, 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 got myself in involved in that situation, things wouldn't be that way. You have to look back and see what part you played in it and seek forgiveness. I did a sermon uh, a couple sermons actually on 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 forgiveness, and you want to get that. You want to check out that podcast. It's really good. It's detailed. Go ahead, spend some time on it. I think it's I think it's actually called forgiveness. Go check out our podcast. It'll really bless your life. I know people still talk about that today. I've had people still say, you know what, you did that that message you did on forgiveness that blessed my life because I hadn't talked to a certain family member in ten years. And we're good now. We're, we're having communication. I've had people tell me they've forgiven their molester or the person who took advantage of them. I mean, real things have happened in that series. You want to get that. Let, 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 let me tell you what Second Chronicles seven fourteen. This is the New International Version says. I love this. God is saying, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Let, 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 me, let me say something. I want you all to hold, watch these two words. I'm about to pull something together. Watch these two words. Ready? Then if my people, say then. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from them their wicked ways, I will hear from them. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. If the then is, it says, then if my people will turn away. Here's the thing I want you to catch. The then is connected to the when. In other words, when you do, God will respond. He says, watch this, I'll make it clear. Then if my people, then, if you all do the then, if you do your part, humble yourselves uh, uh, and pray and seek his face and turn from your wicked ways, I will, from, I will hear from heaven and will forgive. Many of us are seeking forgiveness Many of us are seeking the next thing. Many of us are, are sitting here like, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? What have you done for God first? The then is connected to the when. He will do his thing when you do what he's asked you to do already. And some of us are sitting here like, man, I've been praying this prayer for so long. I've, I've been trying to do this, and I, I've reached out to this person, and, and God, you haven't, you know, you, you, I feel like you're not, you're not listening to me. You're not responding to me. God is like, then if you will humble yourself, then I will bless you. You do your part, and I'll do mine. We're not waiting on God to answer our prayers. God is waiting on us. And a lot of times we feel like we've been waiting idly. God, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I've been praying. I'm waiting. And God is like, me too. Me too. I'm waiting. So when you respond, then I'll respond. And we forget who's the authoritative figure here. I told my kids the other day, uh, uh, I was... Jakai or one of them. I don't remember which one. It's always something going on. Uh, I told Jakai I was cutting hair. I think it was Jakai. I said, we cut, I'm cutting. You know, I got to cut everybody's hair, including my wife's hair, you know. I'm not even a barber, but, you know. So I'm cutting hair. You know how that is, Joe. You cut hair. 
And so I'm waiting, and uh, I told Ja'Kai, uh, man, you know, hurry up and do whatever you got to do so I can get up here and cut your hair. And then after you cut your hair, I cut your hair, then you can play the game for about 20 minutes. And that's it. I'm upstairs waiting. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Ja'Kai, where are you? Ja'Kai, Ja'Kai, where are you? Where are you? Daddy, I'm down here waiting for you to cut my hair. I'm waiting up here for you to cut your hair. I'm waiting too. You need to come up here. See, you can get what I told you you can get if you just follow the order. Remember, if you follow the directions, I'm waiting. He's waiting. Finally, he comes upstairs. He gets his hair cut. And he's like, uh, can I play my game while you cut my hair? I says, no, son. What was the deal? You can play the game when? After. The then is connected to the when. After I cut your hair, then you can play the game. After you've done what God has commanded you to do, then you can receive the blessing. After you've got down on your belly and prayed to God, then can you receive clarity on what he wants for you to do in your life. The then is connected to the when. Say that. The then is connected to the when. Y'all got to get that in your spirit. Saturate your hearts with that today. Here's the final thing. We pray, this is real simple, because God commands it. We pray because God commands it. Watch this. Prayer is not optional. God expects us to pray. He expects it. How do I know? Watch this. If, if, if I read Matthew 6, 5, it says it starts like this. And when you pray, it's expected. He didn't say if you pray. He says, and when. I expect you to be praying. So and when you are praying. In Matthew 6, 6, he says this, but when you pray, it's expected when you do it, not if you do it, when you do it, because you're going to do it. I expect you to do it. You're supposed to do it. I, I gave the example. Watch this. And when you pray in Matthew 6, 7, and when, but when, and when, he expects it. God's command to pray is a command of love. His command for us to pray is a command of love. He's not doing it because he wants to watch you be a bunch of minions. And be like, All right, I want you all to pray. Let me watch these minions go pray. No. There's something in it. He, he's commanding it for you. Why? Because it's a command of love. And in his love, he desires to communicate with us. And in his communication with us, he then gives the blessing. God commands us to pray and it's a commandment of love. Why? Because he wants to be in communication with us. Do you know that's the only way he can communicate with us? Well, not the only way, but that's one of the most effective ways is through prayer. We can communicate with God through worship, and I'll be talking about that next week. Absolutely. But through prayer is where we can absolutely communicate with him. Can I tell you all something? Do you know why a lot of us don't pray? Because we don't know how. We don't. I didn't always know how. Thank you for whoever brought the water up, by the way. I didn't always know how to pray. Honestly, what did I say? I learned how to pray from my daddy's grace. Hearing my daddy say grace over a meal was so beautiful and poetic and just soothing. And I was like, wow, that's powerful. And it's like a great speech or a great poem, the way he thanks God for this food. I didn't believe in God, but I just liked the way my daddy prayed. It was beautiful. And a lot of us don't pray because we don't know how. We think that we need to sound like the preacher. 
We need to sound like somebody who's a great orator. We need to sound poetic. We need to use certain words like thou, thee, art, and all of this stuff. (laughs) And we don't need that. We think we need to pray like for an extended period of time because that will be the only way God hears us. And I remember when I became a Christian in 2000 and, and, and a pastor told me, he says, you know what, just, just pray, whatever. And, I, and there was a one pastor, Pastor uh, Reverend Albert Delaney, when he used to literally in a congregation of thousands of people at Turner Chapel AME, I know that's yucky, whatever. And so anyway, he would, he would, do, he would start his prayer like this, God, it's Albert, he would knock. And so I was like, if Pastor Albert can do that, if Reverend Al could do that, like just knock on the podium, you know how I'm going to start my prayers? Just be me. You know how I used to pray when I first started? God, what's up? It's Broderick. Yo, check this out. Having a rough day? If you hear me, help me out. Peace. Laugh if you want. I'm a pastor today. I started somewhere and I got somewhere. You want to know how to pray? You want to know how to pray? Start praying. You want to know how to pray? Start praying. Open your mouth. Let some words come out. If it's stuttering, if it's utter, if it's not perfect, so what? God is cool. Long as you're communicating with me, I don't care how long it takes to get it out. Don't going to get it out. We're communicating. We're having a dialogue. We're having a conversation. And guess what? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you learn how to pray. That's biblical, by the way. That's how I started. And I've come all the way to pastoring. And by the way, it wasn't something I was like, oh, man, now I figured out how to pray. Now I'm going to become a pastor. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. No, I didn't want this. Oh, man, I'm cool being a musician. I'm traveling, you know, and paying the bills. Could take my wife on some of the gigs, you know. We go overseas, you know, all type of stuff. I was enjoying my lavish life as a musician. But God was like, cool, you have fun? All right, let me, let me use you here. I need you to lead this church. But God, I can't preach. Yeah, you couldn't pray either. <laughs> you don't need to know what I got for you. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know. You don't have to know. Oh, that's good news. I don't expect you to know. It ain't even a part of your DNA to know. For I know the plans I have for you. And all you need to know is that they are for good. Let me do the rest. You just show up, and I got you, baby. And if you want to start your prayers with God, what's up? You good? I'm good. That's it. Peace. However you want to do it, start with something and let God build on that. But if you aren't even opening your mouth, if you're not even making time in your schedule to get down on your knees in prayer. Matter of fact, let me fix that. Scratch that from your mental. Because I didn't start off on my knees. I didn't. I I closed my eyes, but then I went to like this church and I saw the pastor was looking at us while he was praying. I was like, dude, ain't your eyes supposed to be closed? What you doing looking at me praying? You can't be looking at me. What you looking at me praying? And somebody told me, like, God, where is they point? Literally, they went to the Bible and says, let's say anywhere in there you have to close your eyes. I was like, doggone it. You're right. Where did I get this from? Tradition, the same place y'all got it from. Where did I get this thing where I have to be on my knees? Well, there are examples in the Bible, really real talk. There are examples in the Bible where they were on their knees or where they were laying flat on their bellies, and there were some other things they did too. There, were, there are a lot of examples on posture and position, and, but, but you got to start with what's comfortable for you. 
And if it's what's up and you standing up and you looking up or looking down or looking across, you just can't look at TV because then you're praying to the boob tube. You got to be praying to God. Can't be praying to Mari Povich and them or whoever is on television when you're praying, Eyewitness News, whoever. Pray to God. We at least have to, or your football team, exactly, you know. You can't be praying to the Falcons, you know, like, God, thank you so much. Oh, come on, that's what you're going to do? You're going to throw that pass? No, that don't work that way. You've got to be in isolation with God, and you have to have a lot of time to be with him. Real prayer is driven by relationship, not need or crisis. Now, you can pray out of need and crisis, but if your heart is saturated with prayer, you're praying all day. It's a lifestyle. So whether there's crisis or there's a success, you're already in the place you need to be because you saturated your heart with prayer. Let me wrap this here. This is what I want to say, and this is where we're done. When you feel tired of praying, know that God is still present. He's still listening. And he's always answering, but maybe not answering the way you desire. He's always answering. He's always responding. He's always listening. He's ever present. He is not giving up on you. You know what's the, the, the beauty of God's job? He has job security. He can never be fired from it. And part of his job description is to answer prayers. And the thing is, He's answering prayers. He'll get to you. He will get to you. God's timeline is not like our timeline. A day for us is like a half a millisecond for God. A year for us is is not even a day for God. His timeline is totally different than ours. So when you think you've been waiting a long time, God is saying, not long enough. I'm trying to build something up in you. But here's the other thing you need to catch. The reason why he hasn't answered your prayers, he's probably protecting you from something. He might be protecting you from something. He might be holding something back intentionally, something you think you're supposed to have, something you know your name is on. God is like, nah, somebody with the same name, that's them, but not you. What I got for you is greater. What I got for you is better. What I got for you is going to last longer. It's, it, nothing can penetrate what I got for you. Just hold on just a little while longer and do what I've already asked you to do. Take care of those little things I've given you. And I will open up the floodgates and pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. Do you believe that today? Put your hands together for the word of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.